right, well, Father, we do thank you for your son tonight as we get started. The fact, again, as we always say when we start our time together, the fact that any of us could be in a room talking about doing anything for you is just, um, it's just unfathomable to even imagine. And so um, we, just, we just thank you that you would, in whatever way, let us be a part of what you are doing here uh, in Dallas or wherever you might have us be. And so we just confess tonight as we get started that we come in this room tonight uh, with maybe a lot of different things on our mind, maybe burdens, maybe uh, sin that no one knows about, that we're scared to death, that if anybody finds out about what it would do. Maybe it's finances, maybe it's health, whatever it is. Um, I just pray tonight that you would give my friends a peace. And I pray even more so than that, that you would help them uh, to realize how you have gifted them and that you would help them find a place uh, to use those gifts to really uh, change the world. And so we love you and we praise you. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that helps change us. And we thank you for Jesus who has helped uh, make us right uh, to our Father. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, um, good evening. I am glad that you guys are here on the final night. Thanks for sticking with us. Um, I want to uh, start out by telling you guys a story. If you were here on Sunday, John Elmore, he was the guy who um, shared before me. He shared that when we first met, we taught, he, you know, he uh, said that I was sharing the gospel on a, on a train on, um, on, on one day. And so I want to tell you that story happened. So I, I'm a weird guy. So I, I mean, I'm just, I don't know if you're any other weird people in here, but I'm just a weird guy. I know that about myself. I'm, I'm quirky. I'm weird. And I like to do weird things. Um, so, so some of those things that I like to do is um, when I was in grad school, there's a train that goes from Dallas to Fort Worth. And so it's the TRE. Has anybody ever ridden the TRE? You guys are sleeping on the TRE, man. You need to ride the TRE. Don't, don't, okay, you need to know about the TRE. So it's the Trinity Railway Express. And for like five bucks, you can get on this train and ride it from Dallas to Fort Worth. It's got, um, I mean, it's just a cool train. So um, I, was on the, I, I would take this train to Fort Worth. I would ride it. And then I would get off at the train. It takes you to downtown Fort Worth, Sundance Square. And then I would walk to the Barnes & Noble. And I would study at the Barnes and Noble, and then I would take the train back. And I would ride it by myself. So my friends used to go, "Man, so so what do you you know what do you do when you get on the train?" I was like, "Man, I just I just get on the train and and um, ride the train." They're like, "Well, I mean, who goes with you?" I was like, "Nobody goes with me. I just they're like, you ride the train by yourself to Fort Worth, and then get off, and then walk to the bookstore, and then go into the bookstore by yourself, and then get back on the train." I was like, yes, that's what I do. I like to ride the train. And so I, I usually would do that on Fridays. And so this guy that I went to school with was like, hey, man, I want to I wanna ride that train with you on Friday sometimes. This friend of mine was like, I want to ride that, that train with you sometime on Friday. I was like, it's, it's, I mean, it's a public train, bro. You can ride it anytime you want. You don't have to have me there. He's like, man, I want to do that train thing that you do. And I was like, there, bro, there is no train thing that I do. I ride a train, get off, study. It's going to bore you. Like, there is no train. So um, he's like, well, let, okay, here's the deal, man. I want to ride this train with you on Friday. I was like, all right, man, I'm going to be on the train this Friday. I, this is the time I'm going to be there. If you happen to show up and ride the same train as me, then I guess we can ride the train together. I mean, if that's what you want to do. He's like, that's what I want to do. So this guy, this other friend of mine is real quirky also. And, and he, we like to joke each other around, you know, joke, joke around. So he sent me this link and the link said it was www.trainfriday.com. 
And he's like, I made a website, man, called trainfriday.com. You and me, we're riding a train on Friday. Train Friday. I was like, bro, there is no train Friday. It's me riding a train to Fort Worth on a Friday. That's the whole deal. And he's like, no. So he made his website. Train Friday had a picture of the, the, the train. Choo-choo. And it's like me and my friend Rick are going to ride the train on Friday for this epic adventure called Train Friday. I was like, Ben, there is no epic adventure. Like, you're really going to be bored. So he tweeted me and said, hey, Rick, Train Friday, hashtag Train Friday. So someone else that I guess lives in Oklahoma saw the tweet and go, hey, bro, hey, Rick, what's up with Train Friday? I was like, no, there is no Train Friday. And he's like, man, I see the website. It says you guys are going on an adventure to Fort Worth, Train Friday. I'm going to go on Train Friday with you guys. I'm like, bro, let me tell you what this is. I'm going to ride a train from Dallas-Fort Worth, get off, go to Barnes & Noble, study, get back on the train and come home. There is no epic. That is not an epic adventure by anybody's definition. I was like, bro, I'm going to come ride the train with you guys. And I was like, all right. So now you got a guy that's going to drive from Oklahoma that I've never met. I met on Twitter that's going to come. So he tweets, going to meet Rick Smith at downtown Dallas for Train Friday. So, so I have, happen to have a few Twitter followers. They see this. They start retweeting it. So I get, I'm, I'm starting to get many, many people tweeting about, come down to Dallas and ride the train for Train Friday. I'm like, there is no Train Friday. So, so I'm starting to get emails from people going, hey, I want to take my, bring my team in from another church, from another organization in Oklahoma. Can you tell me more about Train Friday? I'm like, there is no more. Like, I'm starting to freak out. It's Tuesday. I'm getting nervous about Friday. I'm like, there is no Train Friday. So people are like, hey, what, what's, what's this whole Train Friday I've been hearing about on social media? Hashtag Train. I'm like, there is no Train Friday. So now I'm getting nervous. So it's on Thursday. I get a call from a, from a, I forget the name. It was either the Dallas Morning, not the Dallas Morning News. It was a magazine. Said, can you tell me about Train Friday? And I'm like, well, who, how did you even hear? How did you, how do you get a hold of me? And they're like, well, no, isn't this some, are you, so I'm, I forgot who it was. Somebody asked, like, hey, are, is this some sort of viral campaign to, because you're trying to get people to go green and take public transportation instead of their cars? I was like, no, definitely not. Like, I don't want you to have false hope. So I'm getting all these people from Oklahoma. I think they might have been Texarkana, maybe Louisiana. I don't remember going, we're all coming to train Friday. So now I've got this pressure, like, what am I going to do with all these people that are going to come? So this guy's like, can I come take pictures of all your team riding the train? I was like, there is no team. I'm the team. There is no team. And so then I, so now I go, okay, what can I do? So I said, here's what, here's what we're going to do. So the, the train originates in downtown Dallas. It stops at Children's Medical Center. Then it keeps going. So I, I just got on to the website, Train Friday, made a video and said, hey, everybody who's coming to this, to ride a train on Friday, could you bring a $5 gift certificate to McDonald's? And what we could do, we could stop off at the Children's Medical Center, give all the gift cards to the parents that are waiting in the lobby of Children's Medical Center, because everybody gives stuff to the kids. Why don't we give the, because there, there was a McDonald's inside of Children's. Um, and so I said, hey, we'll, we'll, you bring gift cards. We'll go, we'll stop the train. We'll get off at the thing, give the gift cards to the people in the waiting room, and then get back on the train, kind of a philanthropy type thing. Um, do that. So I just put that video on, on our, the website. Then that starts getting forwarded. People are like, hey, I'm not, I don't live in Dallas, but I want to contribute tr- gift cards to Train Friday. Can I mail you this, all these gift cards? 
And I'm like nervous. I'm like, I'm going to get audited for this. Like, I don't have any procedures of how to make sure I don't. St- I think I, yeah, I think I might have some on the bookshelf somewhere. I don't even know if they all got spent full transparency. I'm just getting letters all over with like McDonald gift cards. People wanting to PayPal money to buy gift cards. People telling me they're going to bring their team. And I'm like, man, what are we going to do? So the next day, I wish I would have brought some pictures, but the next day, the Friday rolls around. I'm telling you, people all came with, with like, their, their families. People brought their little kid in a stroller. People from Oklahoma came, and they're like, this is awesome, train Friday. And I'm like, what are we going to do when we got there? So all these strangers from all over the place got on this train. We rolled it, went to Fort Worth, ate at Joe T. Garcia's, walked around, went to the Arboretum, and, and literally had this train Friday thing. And so um, it was just so crazy that, that that's how it happened. And we just built relationships with all these people and, and you know, that was before Twitter was really cool. I, was, I used Twitter before Twitter got cool. Now it's kind of cool. And so I've always just kind of been a tech geek. But I love using technology like that in crazy ways uh, to help, you know, to help people meet each other, help connect people, help build relationships. And so I'm just really uh, quirky like that. So sometimes I'm really um, insecure because I just, I'm just like, man, I, I do these weird things. I don't know if, like, God, if you're ever going to use these weird things because I'm, like, so weird. And so I don't know if anybody in here is like that and you just feel... Like, you're weird, you know? Like, like, man, I have this weird personality that God has given me, but that's just the way it is. That's just how God has wired me. And so I, I want to start tonight with this definition of personality. Personality, these, these, this com- the complex characteristics that distinguishes an individual. Um, the, con- the, the, the complex characteristics that distinguishes an individual. Because in a room like this, man, there are so many personalities. And maybe you're like me and you feel like, I'm just a weird guy. And I don't know if God is going to use my gifts. I don't know if people get me. People don't get me. And, and I don't have a place. I feel like a puzzle piece that I don't know where I'm going to fit in. And, and I just have a weird personality. And, and, and I'm 36. I'm, and I, I think I'm starting to get more secure in that and being okay in that and trusting God in that. So tonight, that, that S-H-A-P-E, the, the P part is personality. And so I want to read a quote for you. And the personality, when I talk about personality, these are the characteristics of your life, of you, of who God created you to be that affect the way you think, the way you feel, the way you act. You see, your personality affects your entire life. It, it, it affects how you, you do things. Like some people, when I talk about that, like Train Friday, like you're just like cringing, like that would freak me out. I get revved up with that kind of stuff. And, and so our personalities are different, and, that, and that's okay. And so, but it, but it is going to affect your entire life. I want to read you this quote, and it says this. It's, it says, perhaps you are unaware of the fact that you are the customized expression of a loving God. You are a customized expression of God. You have been endowed with a unique mix of competencies and the desire and drive to use them in pursuit of an outcome of unrivaled personal importance. Your life has meaning built into it. Effectively, you have an exciting, challenging, and achievable destiny, if you will, but discover and embrace um, who you were designed to be, who you were designed to be. Psalm 139 says the same thing, but in a more biblical way. It says this, Psalm 139, verse 13 says this. It says, um, verse 13, says, for you formed me, my inward parts, and you knitted me together in my mother's womb. And I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are all your works and my soul knows it well. My frame was not hidden from you. 
when I was being made in secret, woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes, God, your very eyes saw my unformed substance. And in your book was written every one of my days, the days that were formed for me, and uh, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still uh, with you. And so any talk involving personality has to revolve around the fact that God made you, that he knows everything about you. He didn't just make how tall you are and the colors of your hair, but he made everything about your personality. If you're quirky, if you have a funny laugh, if you laugh at funny things, if you tell jokes that no one gets, like God gets it. He made you. He created you that way for a purpose. Um, Rick Warren says this, like stained glass, our different personalities reflect God's light in many different colors and patterns. You know, I think about a picture of a stained glass window. I wish I would have put one up there, but you think about all of those pieces coming together and then the sun shines through those pieces and it's this beautiful rainbow of colors, this beautiful reflection of, of the sun, of the light coming through. And I think about that, us, like the body of Christ, like you have all these personalities and, and God takes all those personalities and puts them together and he, he does this really beautiful, this beautiful thing. Um, and so what we want to talk about is, is, is the idea of embracing the person that God has uniquely created you to be. You know, God doesn't measure um, success. He doesn't ma- measure you and I in the way that most people measure other things. You've you got to remember that, that God doesn't look at us and go, hey, um, you're, this gift is, is more valuable than this gift. Or this personality, you know, the Myers-Briggs that we give you, we're going to talk about that um, on the second half of the class. But th- there are certain ones of those that people look at and go, hey, that's the desired Myers-Briggs. Like, if you had this, these are the ones that companies hire. Like, I don't, I mean, I, I don't even like those sometimes because you, you start to feel like, well, man, if I'm not this, if I have this one, no one wants me. Like, I think I always have the ones that no one wants. Like, my gifts are so quirky. I'm like, man, I, I don't want to just be nailed down on paper. But, and so I encourage you not to compare, to celebrate how God has made you, but don't compare. Comparison, like we talked about in one of the previous nights, comparison steals your joy and it, it, it discourages you. And so I encourage you to celebrate how God has made you, but, but don't compare you know, and, and just as God gave you unique spiritual gifts, uh, heart and abilities, he's given you a unique personality. And he's given us that personality that we would use and we'd celebrate for his glory. And so in order to help you understand your personality, again, it's going to be like a fire hose. I'm going to give you a lot. And I hope in the midst of all the information that you're getting tonight, it helps you think about yourself maybe in a way uh, differently than when you came in. And so in order to help you think about your personality tonight, we're going to look at a couple things, is how you relate to other people and how you respond to opportunities, how you relate to others and how you respond to opportunities. And so as we do that, uh, we're going to see some of the personality characteristics that God has blessed you with. And so the very first thing is how you relate to others, how you relate to others. Um, so I, so the first one is, you know, walking into a room of strangers. So when you walked in here on the very first night or when you were in college or high school or whatever, and you walked into a room full of strangers, do you have, do you see an opportunity to meet and mingle or look for a place to hide? 
You know, neither one of these is wrong. I'll tell you another story about my personality, how, how goofy it is, is on our honeymoon, um, we went to Hawaii, so we didn't have any kids, which you don't, that's a good thing on your honeymoon, so we didn't have any kids. Went to Hawaii, um, if you do, grace to you, okay? Uh, went to Hawaii, and, um, and, and I, I love talking to strangers. That, that, I'm an extrovert, I'll talk about that later, but I just love talking to strangers. I love, like, I, I think I embarrass my wife because, I mean, I just, everywhere I go, I like to talk to strangers, and I like to, you know, on a good day, ask them about their faith. And we had a day where I just felt like everywhere I went, there were strangers that I enjoyed talking to, which, I, you know, and then they involved into deeper conversations. And we're on our honeymoon, right? So my wife's like, you know, she's a godly girl, okay? I love her. She's super godly, but she's just like, hey, Rick, can, can, this, can we talk for a second? So we're about to go to a luau tonight or whatever we were going to do. Can... Now, you got to understand the context of this, okay? My wife loves the Lord. I want to say it one more time. She said, can you please not talk to anyone about the gospel tonight? Can you just not talk about Jesus tonight? Like, we're going to go out. Let's just enjoy each other's company. Let's just be in the zone. Let's, let's just hang out tonight, okay? No spiritual conversations with people, okay? I was like, Abby, you heretic. No, I did not say that. I, I said, okay, babe. So we went to the dinner. We went to the hotel hot tub, okay? Hot, hotel hot tub. We get into the hot tub. There's like four other, five other people in this hot tub. What are you going to do, right? So you're like, hey, what's up, guys? My name's Rick. What's everybody up to tonight? And they're like, and I'm just like introducing myself. I was like, where, where is everybody from? We're in Hawaii. I know all you guys don't live in Hawaii. Where's everybody from? What do you guys do? So the guy's like, I'm a, uh, I'm a fortune teller. I'm an Indian witch doctor. I do something voodoo. It was like all these like, I was like, ab. And she's like, I'm going up, I'm going upstairs, all right? You have a good night. I was like, Abby, you have got, listen, this guy's a witch doctor. How many times am I going to be in a hot tub with a witch doctor? I'm going for this. Um, it was awesome and awkward at the same time. Um, but what do you do? You know, like when you're in a situation like that, maybe not in a hot tub, I got another, yeah, okay. I'll tell you one more story. This happened recently. I have a resident that's starting at Watermark, and I took him this is, okay, I'm going to be very vulnerable with you, so no recording devices tonight, okay? So, has anybody ever heard of this place called King's Ball? Raise your hand. You been there? You been there? You been there? That's what I'm talking about. I tried to get, I'm trying to get JP to go to this place with me. So, King's Ball is a 24-hour spa, okay? Not... Not shady. Like, if you go to TripAdvisor, it has good reviews. And so um, it's a 24-hour spa. And there's like heat. I like, I like to get foot massages. I like reflexology. I like all that stuff. And so um, it's a 24-hour spa. And so, um, and, and they have a water, an indoor water park. Google it. It's awesome. They have Groupons for it sometime. 24-hour spa. So this guy, Philip, who I'm discipling, I'm like, hey, bro, you want to go to this King Spa place with me? We're not going to do the whole 24 hours. We'll just go there for a day. So he's like, sure. And so we went to this King Spa place. And so we go in there, and this is the guy I'm discipling, right? So I'm like getting to know, sharing the gospel. You know, it's just a quirky place, and they have these indoor pools and, and hot tubs. And um, we're in there, and this, this guy is in, is in this hot tub. So I'm with this guy that I'm discipling. So I'm like, I'm, I'm going to have to lead out, show him what it's like to share the gospel. So we're in this hot tub. Guy's in here. This guy and his mom is in, the, in this hot tub. It doesn't sound, it's not really as weird as it sounds. We're all in here. And I'm like, hey, guys, where are you guys from? The guy's like, Arlington. I'm like, man, you got a faith? And the, guy, the guy's like, yeah, I got a faith. And I'm like, what's your faith? And he's, he's Korean, I think. And so he's trying to talk to me about Buddha. 
So I'm like, well, man, if you, if you, you, know, if you were to die, how, how do you get to heaven? How do you get to be, t- tell me how to be a Buddhist. If I wanted to be a Buddhist, how do I become that? How do I learn more about your faith? And so the guy is trying to talk to me through broken English how to do that. So I'm sitting here like, Holy Spirit, help me to, to communicate to this guy. I don't speak Korean. Help me to communicate the gospel to this guy in, in like the four minutes that I'm in this hot tub till we all get out and it's not awkward. And um, so, so I'm trying, so the guy, so I, so, Again, me and vulnerable with you, okay? And so I told you I'm quirky. So, so I grabbed the guy's hand, okay? And I go, hey, here's you and here's God. And I mean, I'm touching this guy's hand in a hot tub. This is awkward. We have shorts on. It's not, and, and I'm like, here's you, here's God. And I like grab his hands and I was like, you, you know, God, do you know how to get to God? And, and the guy's like trying to talk to me. I'm like, you can't get to God. Your good works can't help you get to God. And so the guy is holding his hands like this. And I'm, and I'm trying to do the bridge illustration. You know that? So here's you, here's God. There's a bridge in between. And so I do this. I go, there's a cross. He's holding his hands up and I go like this, you know, boom. So I put the cross, right? I mean, we almost bumped, you know, like bellies, you know, and I go, there's the bridge. This gets you from God to Jesus. And so the guy looks at me, we laugh, we fist bumped. And I was like, I don't mean to get in your personal space, but I did. That's awkward. But do you get it? This is the cross. This gets you from here to here. And then the guy like really quickly got out of the hot tub. And then like the whole night, he would walk around and we would make eye contact. He would go, here, 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 you know. And I was like, that dude, Lord, please let that guy know that I'm married to a woman, number one. And two, that I love Jesus. And I want him to love Jesus. Uh, but that poor resident is like, bro. It's like, you're serious. But I'm just quirky, man. Look, I'm just a weird dude. Um, how, do you, how do you respond to others? And, and listen, how do you respond to others? How do you relate uh, to others? Um, I want to give you just a few things um, to think about this. One of those is introverted versus extroverted. And, and when you hear introverted verse, versus extroverted, a lot of people think this means I'm really outgoing or I'm really shy. So that, that's a wrong understanding, an incorrect understanding of introverted, extroverted, okay? So um, extroverted, what this really means is how and where do you get your energy? What energizes you? What fills you up? So the first one is extroverted. Extroverted is the preference that relates to getting your energy from things outside of yourself. So people, activities, things, you know, my favorite place to vacation is New York City. I love to go to New York, to Times Square, all that. Uh, my wife is the polar opposite. She likes to go to a beach and, and just sit there all day in quiet. It drives me crazy. I'm like, there, we, there's got to be people. Who's around here? You know, like, and we're different. But what energizes you? Where do you go to get your energy? Being around people helps me do that. Uh, maybe for you, you get your energy when you're home uh, with no one around. Introverted is the preference that relates to drawing energy from one's uh, inner world of ideas, emotions, and impressions. And so the way you figure out if you're an introvert or an extrovert, it isn't that you love being around people and you're loud and crazy. It's do you feel energized when you're alone and by yourself? Or do you feel energized when you're in the middle of Times Square with people all around you? For my wife, that drains her being in Times Square. For me, it gives me energy. For my wife, it gives her energy being on a beach. For me, it drains me and makes me feel, uh, being around nobody. Neither one of those is wrong. They're just two different personality types. So where do you get your energy, from people or from yourself? 
Um, the other one is attending, um, sensing, in, in sensing versus intuition. So sensing versus intuition. Sensing relates to the preference for paying attention to information that is perceived through your five senses. Through your five senses. So this means you're really logical. This means you're, you're the kind of person that you like to look at all the facts. You like to evaluate. Uh, maybe you're an A-type person. When you go on a vacation, you like to plan everything. You like to put everything down. This is open from 9 to 9, so we're going to make these plans. The other personality, the flip side of that is intuition. This is me. Intuition refers uh, to the preference of paying attention to information that's taken through your sixth sense for thinking about things that could be rather than thinking about things that might actually exist. So you're a dreamer, you're a vision person. Uh, I always think, talk about it like this, like I can see a, a big building like a skyscraper. I could imagine a skyscraper, but then I would need someone like my wife to come through and say, hey, Rick, you, you need an elevator in, in the skyscraper. You need this. So one person is a dreamer, what might be, and then one person focuses on what is things they can touch, taste, see, facts. Neither one of those is wrong. Uh, They're just different personalities. So think about which one are you. Um, Thinking versus feeling. Thinking versus feeling. Uh, What system do you use when making a decision? So what system do you use when you make decisions? So thinking, if you're a thinker in the room, this is the preference that relates to organizing and structuring information to decide in a logical and objective way. So those are the, those are the thinkers. So again, this is A-type. This is, uh, you like to print out your map, your map quest off the internet. You like to staple it together. You like to know how much time, what's the mileage, all those things. Then you have feeling. Feeling is related to the preference for organizing and structuring information uh, in regards to like personal values, a personal value-oriented way. So, you, you, so, you're, so sometimes these people like me, you're disorganized. Like I'm, I'm not an organized person. Um, I need someone administrative to help me. I, I sometimes turn in my expense reports late. I, I, don't, I have to be really diligent about putting things on calendars or I forget them. And so neither one of those is bad but they both have weaknesses and strengths. So are you a thinker or are you a feeler? That's going to help you. Judgment versus perception. What type of life do you ad- adopt? Judgment versus perception. So judgment is the preference that relates to living a planned and organized life. Like you could be a professional organizer. Maybe you have friends like this. Maybe this is you. You go to their house and they have everything labeled. They, they own a label maker. So if you own a label maker... You might be this person. And everything is labeled. They label on their home desk, pens, <laughs> pencils. That's okay, crayons. That's okay. Uh, then you have the other side. Perception lives in a more spontaneous and flexible way. You just throw your crayons in the drawer. That's me. You throw your pens in the drawer. Uh, you, you look at your desk at home. The judgment type people uh, have everything organized in filing cabinets. Then you have my way where everything is just piled on the desk. And so you know what, or, you know, you can kind of rummage through the files. And so, again, neither one of those is bad or good. They're just differences. So are you a judgment type person or a perception? Are you a perception? Um, I think I had a couple things. Let me see if I had these down. Yeah, how to waste your personality. How to waste your personality. Um, 
I feel like I did this for a lot of years of my life because I remember, I'm not going to tell you the name of the church. I remember going to a church one time and going into this church and everyone was sharing uh, their stories, their, their testimony. Everyone looked like they had it all uh, together. Everyone acted like they memorized like, you know, a hundred verses a week. Everyone, you know, the biggest sin was that, man, I just read the Bible too much. And I need to make my, t- you know, balance my time better. And uh, they all acted kind of the same way. And, and I almost felt like my personality was wrong. You know, like everyone's quiet. Everyone is this way. Um, and, and I wasted my personality for a long time until, until the, more, the more I abided with Christ and the more I found my security in Christ, the more I um, knew that, that God made me the way that he made me. And that, and that is okay. And so the way that you waste your personality is this, is to ignore your uniqueness and do good things while missing the best thing. You know, I, I got I to gotta say, I, I ignore, I'm 36, and I ignored my uniquenesses probably for the first 23 years of my life. I, I think I probably, I was unique, but I tried to be like the people around me. And it left me frustrated, left me agitated, left me feeling kind of down. And, and, and so one of the most discouraging things that you can do is, is to ignore your uniqueness. And so if you're here and you're unique, let me tell you, this is a safe place um, to, to be unique. Um, to rejoice in the strengths of your personality and to deny the weaknesses. Um, someone was sharing today, I was in a meeting, and they were sharing about they, they, they worked at this place and they, would, they had this guy that they would ask for references. They would say, hey, I want to give me a reference on this employee that you had. And so on the reference form, they would circle 10 on everything for the person, like 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. And you're like, hey, those references aren't very good. Because there's no way this employee was a 10 at everything. Like, nobody is awesome at everything uh, unless you're Jesus, okay? Like, there's nobody here that's awesome at everything. And so um, you you waste your personality when you deny the weaknesses of your personality. So for me, I mean, I know that I have a lot of weaknesses. And so you want to know what your weaknesses are, and you want to lean into those. And you want your community group and your friends and people that love you uh, to help tell you the weaknesses. Another big one is to disregard the uniquenesses of others. To disregard the uniquenesses of others. This is a hard one for me. Um, again, I, I'm just being transparent. This is a hard one for me because I want other people to be like me. You know, like I sometimes think that my ideas are the best ideas. I sometimes think that the way I work is the best way to work. And so if you're not running this way or doing this or and, and the truth of the matter is that's wrong. There, there are other people that work opposite to the way that I work. And, and so it's not fair or loving or wise to think that everyone has to be like me, to work like me, to be outgoing like me. And so, you know, it, it, I've been married for seven years. And even in our marriage, learning how to treat my spouse that way, you know, and like I, I know there's been more so when we first got married, but going, hey, Abby, why didn't you talk to this person? You know, hey, you know, my wife will say, hey, I you know, met this person, you know, and, and, you know, they shared this struggle with me. And I'm like, awesome. Did you uh, tell them that's a sin? And then tell them they need to come to Regen next week and then come to church? And she's like, no, I, I baked them some cookies. That's messed up. Abby, they could die tomorrow. Like, you need to tell them the gospel. And, like, I would make her feel bad until she would go, hey, I don't feel like telling you stuff anymore. Because when I tell you, you, you try to lecture me. And I don't want to lecture. I want to be encouraged. 
And so now I, I realize my wife is unique and I value her uniqueness. She's not built like me. And I'm not built like her. I wish there were more of her personality in me. I wish I was softer. And I wish I had a lot of empathy for people. And I, those are things that I, that I have to work towards. And so uh, don't disregard the uniquenesses of others. And then finally, avoid responsibility because the task is outside of your personality. Um, you know, you learn a lot about this when you have jobs. You know, at Watermark, my job, you know, I have a lot of tasks that are outside of my personality. I, I mean, you know, there's a lot of ministry. You know, Sunday is like one day a week, and then there's a lot of other things that we do around here. I think some people think, man, you guys have a really awesome job. You just do stuff on Sundays. Like, there's a lot of stuff that we do, and there's a lot of behind the scenes. There's a lot of sitting at a computer, and for an extrovert, that that's like, and so, but, but you don't avoid responsibility. You go, hey, what are my areas of responsibility? And, and then you lean um, into those. Um, I'm going to briefly go over experience. That's kind of the last one, S-H-A-P-E, that we've been talking about, and experience. So you've got your personality. That's how God has made you. You have your spiritual gifts. Um, you have your heart, that, that, uh, you know, the area of service that God has um, directed you towards. You have your abilities, things that you're good at. And then you have your personality, and then finally you have your experience. This is the fifth piece of the puzzle. And this quote says that life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forward. You know, as I shared on Sunday, you know, I brought our son in and, and talked about his story, and it's true. You know, they say hindsight's twenty twenty, and it's true. Like, you, your whole life, your experiences, the things that have happened to you can only be understood backwards, but life has to be lived forward. And I think that's sort of the tension um, that, that we're in. I want to do this little illustration with you. I want you to think about the hallway of your life, hallway of your life. life. And so what I want you to do, I want you to imagine, I want you to imagine with me that you are walking down a long hallway. And um, cl- go ahead and close your eyes. I, we don't ask people to close their eyes a lot in here. But close your eyes, and I, and I want you just to kind of kind of zone in on this. And I want you to imagine that you're walking down a long hallway. So there's nice carpet. There, there's this nice wall with these huge frames on on the to your left side, and these huge frames on the right side. And I want you to walk really slowly down this hallway. And I want you to think back to all the experiences of your life. So I want you to think back to the very first you know memory that you have as a little kid. And, and maybe of your parents and your grandparents and vacations, school, elementary school, field days. I want you to think about childhood joys and sorrows. I want you to think about the pain and the thrill of adolescence, the struggles and the comparison and the accomplishment of adulthood. And I want you to imagine yourself walking down this hallway and in on this hallway to your left and to your right are these paintings, these, these portraits. And these portraits reflect those life-shaping moments of your life, those, those milestones, those memories that are key memories in your life. On one side, the left side of the hallway, I want you to think about paintings that bring joy and excitement, achievement, fulfillment. Maybe this is your wedding day. Maybe this is the day that you graduated college. Maybe this is graduation of high school, um, having Christmas at your grandmother's house. These are memories that when you think about them, they, um, they put a smile on your face. 
Then I want you to think about the other side of the hallway. And the other side of the hallway is the part of the hallway that we don't like to go down. The other side of the hallway, I want you to think about and see portraits that cause pain in your life. Um, Maybe frustration. Maybe this is an argument that you had with your spouse. This was like the worst one. And you go, man, I can't believe he talked to me like that. Maybe this is a a job loss or a sickness. Um, these These are things that have hurt you. And you've got one set of paintings on the left side and one painting on the other side. And as you walk slowly down the hallway, I want you to look carefully at each painting, each portrait, each milestone. Each of those milestones is important in understanding who God created you to be and and discovering the mission that he has set aside for you. And as you examine each of those portraits that God brings to mind, I want you to think about how each of those have impacted you. Each of those moments in your life has, has somehow shaped you, formed you, changed how you act, how you react, the kind of parent you are, the kind of friend you are. What lessons could you glean from each of those portraits? I want you to take a moment and pray to yourself, and I want you to ask God to help to reveal to you how he might use those experiences in your life, how those experiences might be used in ministry. So I'm going to take just a minute, and I want you to pray um, that God would reveal that to you. Father, we, as we think about our lives and we think about experiences, even in my own life, I think about so many good experiences, so many things that you've allowed me to experience my 36 years on earth that were awesome. But then I can also think about so many experiences in my life that hurt me that, that I don't even like thinking about. I don't even like remembering them because um, they, they make me sad. They make me feel bad about myself or I wish I could erase them. And God, I thank you that you're sovereign. You're, you're sovereign over everything in our life. I thank you that nothing happens to us that you don't uh, allow to happen. Nothing, come, nothing is out of your control. You, you run the whole show. And every moment in our life, every portrait in our life, you have, you have put there, you've allowed to happen so that you would, you would use those in our life to help others, to minister to others, to love others, to rejoice with others. And so I pray that you would take our happiest moment in our life, that left side of the hallway, and you would use all that for your glory. And then I pray that you would take that right side of the hallway and you'd help us to know that you redeemed all those things and that not only did you redeem them, but you want to make a star out of our scar, that you want to, we would use those to love and comfort and minister to others. And so we give you our whole life. We give you all the portraits that you've already written in our life. And we give you all the portraits that you've already, uh, that you've yet to, to, to paint. And we trust you with all of it. In Christ's name, Amen. Um, feel free to jot any of those down that you may that you know you may have um, um, you know thought about or, or, or portraits that, that um, you think, hey, that might be something that, that God might have put on your heart. Um, and I want to talk about it quickly. Acts twenty two. We're not going to read all that. You can write that down. And I want to talk about the positive portraits. I want to talk about the positive portraits. That's that's Paul's story, and he just talks about. 
all the different things that God did in his life. And I want to give you these five categories. And, I, and I'm going to read each of them, and I want you to think about this. So I want you to think personally. What are the, You go, hey, man, these are the best portraits personally. These are personal memories. These are personal portraits. Again, I think about taking my family to Disney World and my son seeing Mickey Mouse and, and being around my table at Christmas with my grandma and grandpa who aren't here anymore and just personal portraits. What are your vocational portraits? You go, man, these are just the best memories. This might be the day you got the job that you love. This might be the day that you did something really great at work. Relationally, think about the day I got married to my wife. Like These are just days that you go, man, if I have a photo album, these are the things that we have in our photo album. Educationally, you graduated college, high school. Spiritually, this might be the day you got baptized, the day you became a believer, the day you joined a church. But these are the five categories where you can write these down, later think about these things, because these things shape your personality probably in more ways uh, than you you know. know. Then I want you to think about painful portraits. Uh, Painful portraits. I want to read a verse. I I read this, I think, last last time we were together, 2 Corinthians. Uh, chapter 1, let me turn to it, and it talks about um, chapter 1, verse uh, 3 and 7, and it says this, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, and the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our afflictions, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by. And so, Know that, that, that God allows things in our life to happen um, so that we might comfort others. And I'm not talking about um, the time that you lost, you know, your favorite toy broke, it broke or, you know, you had a, a show that you really like on your DVR and it got deleted. I, I'm talking about like the things that I talked about on Sunday, like things that happened to you in your life that when they happen, it feels like you got punched in the heart. You know, somebody said that I love you, I'll never leave you. And then they checked out miscarriage. These are painful portraits, alcoholism, cancer, depression, bankruptcy, eating disorder, abortion, an affair. I'm talking about these portraits that if you, if you had a photo album on your counter, on your table at home, you would never have any of these portraits in that album. Like you, you would hope that no one ever finds out about these portraits. We all have those. Again, Personally, vocationally, relationally, educationally, spiritually. I, I can think of many portraits in here, many, many that I would be embarrassed to tell you about. Many things in my life that bring me shame and guilt, and that's, that's of the enemy. And so as you think about these tonight, I, I don't want you to think of any shame or guilt. I don't, I don't want you to, 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 to be fearful. I want you to know that God can redeem all of these things. You know, on Sunday uh, Sunday, this last Sunday, you know, you think about you had a porn addict up there. You had a guy that was addicted to drugs. You had a felon up there. That's me, by the way. And God takes all of these pictures, all of these testimonies in our life, and he uses them uh, to, to make it new. We've all been redeemed. And so if you're in here tonight, God can redeem your story no matter how unredeemable you think it is. And he can use those portraits uh, to minister to others. You, God might have even allowed some of those things to happen so that you'd be able to comfort others with the grace that you have been comforted. I want to read another quote. It's by Max Lucado. And it says this. It says, um, 
you know, God uses difficult experiences to form us. And then it says this, that to, to melt down the old and to recast it as new is a disrupting process. But with time, a change occurs. What was dull becomes sharpened. What was crooked becomes straight. What was weak becomes strong. And what was useless becomes valuable. Then, then the blacksmith ceases his pounding. And he sets down his hammer. And in the silence, he examines the smoking tool. And the implement is rotated. And, he, and, and the blacksmith examines it for any mars or any cracks or any impurities. And there are none. And the pliable, soft mineral becomes an unbending, useful tool. You see, God allows things in our life like a blacksmith, and he puts it in there, and it's a refining fire. And then he pulls it out right at the right moment, right at the right time. And it's more beautiful, and it's more useful and more valuable than even before it went into the fire. And again, I said this before, that God wants to take your scars and he makes them into your stars. He makes them into the thing that God wants to use. And what you've got to do is you've got to be okay. You've got to be okay standing in front of a room full of people and say, man, I'm an ex-porn addict. I, I'm an ex-drug fiend. I'm an ex-felon. And you've got to be okay and go, man, I'm going to share my story with people. I'm going to share my portrait with people no matter how disgraceful they are because you're going to comfort others with the same comfort that you've been comforted by by God. And so you've got to know that you've been redeemed. You've been washed by the blood. And it's okay that in Christ we can do that. We can do that. You know, um, and so I want to just encourage you with that. How not to waste your experience. You know, you've got to allow God to redeem your experiences for his glory and the good of others. You've got to live your life for an audience of one. You've got to not be embarrassed by your pain. Listen to this. Look at me. You've got to believe. You've got to not believe the lie. You have to not believe the lie that if you tell someone blank, they'll never understand. If I say this, I will never understand. If I tell someone in my community group this part of my life, they'll kick me out of community. You see, Satan uses that lie to keep you buried under guilt and shame and sin. You've got to resist that lie. Um, Strength comes by confession. Strength comes by confession. And so when I hear people in my community group tell me something that they did and they confess something, I always, always, always tell the guys in my community group, I go, bro, when you share that, what you just shared, I think more highly of you now than I did 20 minutes ago. It takes great courage to share anything in your life. And so you allow God to redeem any experience in your life for good. You know, you need to realize that God wastes no achievement and he wastes no pain that we fully surrender to him. He he wastes no achievement and he wastes no pain. Again, it took me a long time to realize that. I always live to please people. That's one of my struggles. I'm Rick and I'm a Christian who struggles with people pleasing. And um, and, and man, I, I, I care a lot about what people think about me and I still struggle with that. Like, man, I really care what these people think about me and you got to get to a point where you realize that, that God wastes no pain and no achievement. So any pain in your life, when you share it, 
That's the other great thing about confession. When you share something, it takes all the power away that Satan has over you. Do you understand? Has anybody ever been there before and you have something going on in your life and you go, man, I can't share it, I can't share it, I can't share it. I'm so guilty. If I could only share it, I can't. And then you share it with someone and it's immediately like the weight is off of you. See, confession takes all the power away that Satan has in your life when you share. And then finally this, this is a big one. Refuse to be enamored with your achievements or paralyzed by your pain. You're not that impressive. Do you understand? God in you is impressive. Um, this is a hard one. And so I don't, I don't want to, and, I, and man, I struggle with this. I don't know about you guys. But man, sometimes I'm tempted to think that the things that I do that are good, that I have a little bit of, that I have a little bit to do with that. And, and man, I, I don't, man. There is nothing in me apart from Jesus that is good. And so if you're whatever you are, an incredible athlete, nurse, doctor, student, Christian, um, don't be too impressed with yourself and recognize that any good thing in you is from God. And then finally, don't be paralyzed by your pain. Don't be paralyzed by your pain. And I, man, I, again, I, I end, I'm probably sounding like a parrot, just rep- repetitive, but, I, but from walking with the Lord for over a decade now, faithfully, faithfully struggling well, and being a pastor and talking with people, this is a big one. There are a lot of people that I sit down with, that I meet with, that I pray with, that I'm friends with, and, and, and man, they just can't get over X pain in their life. They can't get over this mistake, not mistake, this sin that they committed or this sin that was done to them. Let me tell you something. Under the cross of Christ, under the cross of Christ, he can take your worst mistake, the dumbest thing that you have ever done, the worst thing that you've ever done, and he can make it into this beautiful treasure, this treasure that, that's your testimony. And what Satan wants to do is to keep you silent. You know, I think about girls who struggle with de- eating disorders, and they go, man, I can't, I'm embarrassed. I don't want to tell someone that I struggle with my image, and I, and I look them in the face, and I go, why wouldn't you? Why would you not sit at a table with another friend and tell them what you struggle with, and that it's okay, and that God will see you through it? Why would you not share that? And here's the other thing, and I say this in love, it's, it's, it's not yours to, to keep secret. It's God's story. Your story is God's story, and you have to share it. You have to share it. I don't care if that's a stranger at a bus stop or a friend that you've known for a decade, but you have to share your story. Your story doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God, and you're a steward of your story. And so, the greatest trick, the greatest lie of Satan is, hey, if anyone knows this about you, if anyone knows this, no one struggles with this, Rick, like you struggle with it. If anyone finds out what you struggle with, you'll be out of a job, Rick. Like, they will fire you here. That's a lie from Satan. And so if you're struggling tonight and there's a weight on you, man, listen, you've got to confess. You've got to confess, and I think you're going to find that you're going to be met with loving arms. And if you've already screwed up and you've confessed it and the guilt just stays on you, man, can we pray for you tonight? I mean, we'd love to pray for you, with you, and encourage you because, listen, if you're like me and you feel like an outcast and you feel like, man, they'll they'll never use me. They can't use me. I'm too weird. I'm quirky. I'm a felon. Do you hear that? I have a felony on my record. I broke the law when I was 21. It never left. The mistake is still there. Listen, we have a place for you here. We have a place for drug addicts here. We have a place 
for felons here. We have a place for everyone here because we're the body of Christ. That's what we do. We take broken pieces and make them into treasures. That's what Christ does. And so as we end tonight, we're going to take a break. Rick's going to come up, and he's got some awesome things to share with you guys about the the, um, profile that we sent out, the personality test that we sent out. But I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you that God wants to use your story. And so your heart may be beating a million miles a minute right now, and you go, man, I I don't know if I could stand up there on a stage and tell people that I'm a porn addict or a felon or a drug addict. Listen, you can. Christ in you, you can share your story. And and more than you, you can, you have to. It's not your story. And the more you share it, the more you confess, the more you're okay with how God has wired your past, it's easier to do. And then you go, Satan, you don't have any power over me, bro. Satan, you don't have any power. I can share my story in a room full of people, and it's okay because God owns my story, and God owns your story. Father, I thank you that you can use people like us. I thank you that you can use us no matter what. I thank you that you want to use us. And I thank you that you have allowed experiences in our lives so that we might use those experiences to bring glory to you, not just the pretty portraits. But God, dare I say that you use our most disturbing portraits to bring glory to you. And so I thank you that because of Christ, we can stand up in front of one person or 20,000 people and say that we have been forgiven and that you have forgiven us, and that you not only want to forgive us, you want to use us in our brokenness. How crazy is that? That you want to use us in our brokenness to minister to other people. We can't even believe we're qualified to do that. And so, God, we we worship you. And so I pray for my friends here today. I pray for people that feel insecure, people that feel, man, like they're not good enough. I pray that this church, that Watermark Church, would be different, that they would feel like, man, they want to use me. They want to give me a position of leadership. Do they know what I used to be like? And that would just blow their mind, and then you would use them to transform the city of Dallas. And so we praise you tonight. We praise you, we praise you, we praise you, because only because of Christ, only because of Christ, can we, can, can we even do anything. And so we worship you, and we pray it in Christ's name. Uh, amen. All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back in seven minutes. Five minutes, seven minutes. All right, well, hey. All right, I'm going to be transparent with you guys since we're all friends. No judgment, no shame. Um, I was going to show you this, okay? This is Myers-Briggs personality types from the Bible, okay? So you can't see it. You imagine it. All right, let me... Um, this is... How do I mirror Give me a second. We're winging it, you know. Here we go. Hold on. Imagine with me, if you will. Hold on. This is going to be really awesome when you see it. All right. Get, get, get pumped. All right. So this is the Myers-Briggs Bible character personality types. Okay. So what this does is takes your whatever you are and tells you what Bible character you're going to be. I thought about it. This is like way too Christian, okay? So I'm not going to do this. This is like way too biblical, okay? So I will email you this. If you know yours, your letters, um, I think Paul's the one everybody wants to be like, ENTJ. I think that's the cool one. I'm not anything that's cool. So if you're a Paul, congratulations. Um, So there they are. I mean, who doesn't want to be like Mary, mother of Jesus, to the ISFJs in the house? I mean, (laughs) here they are. Some people are like, who is Laban? I don't even know him. Is that in the Catholic Bible? No, he's in there. Um, 
But I'm going to email you this. So this is the Myers-Briggs personality type in the Bible. So there you go. There it is. Cat's out of the bag. Um, I do want to show you something, though. I'm going to do two things. We do this little podcast. It's called Real Truth Real Quick, if you've seen it. And we answer these questions that people send in or, people, or questions that we think are, are good. And there's one that we did recently. If you've already seen it, um, you know, forgive me. But, it, but the question is, how do I know if, um, if God wants me to go into vocational ministry? How do I know if that's something that God um, wants me to do? And so I, here's what I want to do. I want to show you this video and then um, while the video is playing, it's just a five-minute video. Um, we do these every week. We answer questions that people email in, send in. And then after this question, Rick Wisner and I, our connecting pastor, we're going to come up here, and if there's any question, anything that you're brave enough to ask about anything we've talked about, uh, any of the subject matter, something maybe here at Watermark, any kind of question that you have, I want you to think about it while the video's playing. And we're just going to come up here and, and answer any question that you have. So don't be afraid or embarrassed. We're all friends. If you have any question, you go, hey, here's just something that I'm wondering, asking, thinking, how do I do this? What should I do if? Why does Watermark do it this way? Raise your hand and ask in the best, that we, the best of our ability. We'll do just a little open panel, and we'll summarize and we'll be done. So be thinking about your question. If you go, man, I want to ask one question, and then I want to show you this. Welcome to Real Truth Real Quick. My name is Rick Smith. I'm here with Todd Wagner. Hello, friends. Hey, Rick. And we're answering your questions on life, leadership, the world around us. And today's question really kind of deals with all of that. The question is, how do I know if I should go into vocational ministry? Well, I like the way this question is asked because it leads to, frankly, its own answer. Vocational. Do you know what that word Vocational comes from? Here we go. Voca- like it's vocation. It, My vocation. Vo- vocational. It, it comes from the Latin word, which means spiritual calling. Are you a Latin major? You throw a lot of Latin out. Well, that's because it, the study of words helps us understand yeah. a lot about the world we live in. And I will tell you that the word vocational, okay, it, it doesn't just mean um, where you work. It specifically is a word that in Latin meant it's your spiritual calling in life, which answers the question. Everybody, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you want to live your life biblically, is called to vocational ministry. That doesn't mean you have to be a pastor or work on a church staff or work for a parachurch ministry. In fact, it's an error and an unbiblical idea to think that only people who work on a church staff are spiritual people. Um, Colossians 3.23 tells us whatever you do, whatever your work is, do your work heartily to the Lord rather than to men. First uh, Peter chapter 2, in verses 9 and 10, it says, But you are a chosen race. You are a priesthood, a holy nation, uh, a people for God's own possession. It says you may, uh, all of us are called to proclaim his excellencies uh, and to call those who are in darkness into, out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's a call for every single one of us. Okay, the idea of this spiritual secular divide uh, has hurt us in many ways. Number one, it hurts us that many people think that, hey, what I do Monday through Saturday has got nothing to what I do uh, with what I do on Sunday. And that is completely unbiblical. Likewise, there's this idea that is out there that if you work on Sundays because you are a pastor on a church staff, you're somehow more called of God than those that don't. And the fact is, Rick, every one of us are called to vocational ministry. Now, what I think a lot of guys mean when they ask this is should I work on a church staff and should I give myself to full-time ministry? I don't even like that because my lawyer friends, my teacher friends, my doctor friends that are believers are called to full-time ministry. 
Should I work on a church staff? Is that your question? Yep. <laughs> you got it. Okay. No Latin there. No Latin there. Yes, that's English. What I would say to you is, um, I don't know, what are your gifts? Have you been affirmed? Uh, one of the things that always drives us crazy, we don't do mission trips at Watermark, right? When we send people uh, out of our immediate cultural context that is Dallas, Texas, we don't ever call them mission trips because it seems to imply that before they left, they weren't on mission. We call them short-term discipleship opportunities. We call them cross-cultural uh, ministry trips because we're ministering in a culture that's not like ours, okay? But we are careful with words, man. We don't want people to go on mission trips. Life is a long-term mission trip. Every week is a short-term mission opportunity. But I will tell you why I'm talking about mission because I would never send somebody to do ministry or mission in another context, a different cultural context that isn't already doing ministry in its current context. So it's, are you sharing your Christ locally uh, with, with people? Are you studying your Bible? Are you making disciples here? And if the answer is no, let's not send you over there to do it for a week. So the way that Watermark typically finds its people that are on staff that will help others employ the gifts that they've been given as a good steward of the manifold grace of God is we find folks that are already doing it. Not people that have graduated from seminary, okay? Um, but people that are already grafted into the work of Christ, men that are leading men, women that are discipling women, uh, people that are students of God's word, that are evangelists, that are teachers, that are equippers. We say, hey, we'd like to free you up from the work you're currently doing as uh, an accountant, as a banker, as a lawyer, um, as an entrepreneur, and have you help other people successfully follow Christ and equip others to do the work of ministry. So if you're already doing it, and people are affirming that and say, would you come do that with all of your time? We'll even make it possible for you to do that with more of your time, provide for your family and, um, and yourself in a way that uh, will free you up to be fully focused on equipping others? Come on. But again, uh, sometimes people want to go into vocational ministry because they want others to perceive them the way they perceive people that are in vocational ministry. That's a bad reason to go into it. So what I would say is be faithful. Let others who see your faithfulness lay their hands on you and say, would you come and join us? Okay? Uh, and if you have a desire to be in vocational ministry, I don't like that term. But if you have a desire to be on a church staff, then why don't you be an effective Christ follower and let people that are in ministry come and say, you need to do this more often. Good stuff. All right. Well, hey, listen, if we can help you in any way, there's an email address at the bottom of the screen. Shoot us an email if we can grab a cup of coffee with you. We'd love to do that. And we'll see you next week on another episode of Real Truth Real Quick. I like, I like that video. If you don't know about that, we do those every week. You can send questions in. But, but I like what he said. He said, man, life is a mission trip. Like, you are on a mission trip all day. And sometimes in our staff prayer, what he'll say, you know, we all get together on Tuesdays, and he'll, he'll just kind of point to someone and say, hey, tell me how Christ was glorified in your short-term mission trip this week, Rick. And what he means is, hey, how did you live out the gospel this week, week, week in Dallas? And I think that's an appropriate question to ask yourself and people in your community group. Hey, how was Christ honored in your short-term mission trip here in Dallas this week? And, and be challenging each other in that way, because this is, this is a room full of pastors. You are a room full of pastors. Understand that. And we are co-laboring together. This isn't I'm here and you're here. We are pastors together. 
And so we need each other. And so um, this is Rick. You met Rick as our connecting pastor. And if you guys have any questions, if anybody has any questions, anything goes, might not answer it. If anything goes, we'd love to do that in the next few minutes that we are together. So any questions? Somebody always has to be the first one. So, All right. You filled out the shape form online. What can they expect? Is it on? Let me see. Yeah. Okay. So tap it. Um, I guess we have 30 of y'all filled it out and uh, met with the team this morning, passed those out, and told them that we wanted to have them done by uh, Sunday. So hopefully in the next uh, four or five days, we'll send you back the three choices that we said we would. Yeah, you'll get an email, and in the email it will have a link of who to contact if you're interested in those choices. All right. Okay, what about the pencil people who did not get it finished because they were on another vacation? What about the pitiful people who didn't finish because they were on a family vacation? That was the question. Um, I'm not sure. If you uh, come after here and let me get your name and email address, I'll make sure that you're able to fill it out and we'll get you some info. Where do you guys go on vacation? Hillsboro, Texas, Florida. Florida. Where else? Anybody else? Question? Anything else? Something more deep, deeper? It's your chance. Be brave. Don't come up after. You can still come up after. Any questions? Well, listen, here's the deal. So the number one thing that keeps people from being a member at Watermark is, is they don't serve. So they go to community. They, they come to the membership class. They sign the covenant, but they do not serve. And so here's what we're going to do, okay? So after this class, next week, I'm going to go through, I'm going to look at the roll sheet, and I'm going to go, who has not picked an area of service? Who is not a member of Watermark because they're not serving? And I'm going to come over to your house. I'm going to knock on the door. I'm going to bring Rick with me. And Abner, who's our big security guy you might have seen, and we're going to bring our computers and say, you're serving this week. I'm doing that. That's weird. I'm going to do it. That would be really weird. But um, all seriousness, everyone in this room Everyone in this room should be serving somewhere. And I, I mean, I don't just say that. I don't get commission if you become a member or whatever. Like, I don't get a gift card to the coffee shop. You should be serving. You're commanded to serve and to give your story away and your life away. So if you are not serving anywhere, and I don't say this to guilt you or shame you, anything like that, I say it to encourage you. Because the most life change you're ever going to experience is when you jump in and serve. So if you're not serving anywhere, I want to challenge you to take the next step. So you're done. This is The class is complete. We've talked about heart, H-E-A-R-T, uh, I mean, shape, S-H-A-P-E, your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, and your experiences. And we've covered all of those things. And then we, at the very beginning, said that God has created you with a purpose, to glorify him, to use your gifts. He's given you a garden, which I think is here at Watermark. He's given you a church, a place. He's put you somewhere. And then we talked about that everyone in this room, if I didn't say this already, is overqualified. Like everyone in this room, because of Christ, is qualified. Like you are a pastor, Pastor S. It's not, I don't know if that's technically, but you are, you're on mission with us, man. We're doing this together. We're the body. We need you. Um, I don't know if you know this. Again, this is not guilt at all. Please don't hear this as guilt. This is just me stating facts. We have to turn families away on Sunday 
because we don't have room for their children. We have room. We don't have adults to shepherd their children. Do you understand? We have so many people coming here, new families that are bringing their kids that we have to say, hey, we wish we would, we would long to, to love on your kids, but we cannot let you come today with your kids because we have no one in our church to help shepherd them. And that person's like, wait a minute, there's like 12,000 people that go here. And you're just like, I know. That, that should hit you in the stomach, not in a guilt way, but that's, I mean, it is what it is. We've got opportunities for you to serve. So no one in this room can go, hey, man, there's no place for me to serve at this church. There's places everywhere. I think our greatest area of need is, is our children's ministry. And I also think that's one of our most important. I, listen, sometimes you go to churches and they're, and they're like, hey, I, I want to serve. And they go, put you in the children's ministry. Our children's ministry is not a, ch- a child care. I think some churches, it's like a daycare. You feed them goldfish, keep them alive for an hour. And then <laughs> our children's ministry is a shepherding opportunity. I have a one-year-old and a four-year-old. The four-year-old you met on Sunday who I love a lot. And I'm very careful about the people who speak into his life. And so the people that are in there are shepherds that we trust. And they're pouring in. We don't even call it child care at Watermark. We call it training ground because they're so passionate about, hey, this is, we're discipling kids. And so our number one opportunity where we need people to serve is children's ministry. And I think one of the greatest ministries in our church is children's ministry. And so if you've ever thought, I just don't want to go in there and babysit kids for an hour, you're not going to babysit kids for an hour. You're going to shepherd kids like my son who are in there who need adults like you who love Jesus to love on them and teach them about Jesus. So that's it. And you literally, if you go online, pass a background check, love kids, love Jesus, can articulate truth, you're in. Like that's the gift. You're in. I mean, you're in. Now don't be weird, but you're in. We want you to shepherd. You're qualified. Don't let Satan let you walk out of here tonight after four weeks of coming to this, hearing me talk, hearing people talk and go, I just don't feel like I'm good enough, qualified, if they only knew this about me. This is what Todd says all the time. He goes, man, when we hired you, we already knew you were a fool. Like we already just, that was in the equation. Like we already just bet that you didn't put all your cards on the table. It's okay. It's okay. We know that about you. You're a fool. We're fools. We're fools. It's okay. And so you're qualified. So I want to encourage you, the last one second I have with you, take the next step. You're, we're not going to put you in a 10-year commitment on anything here at Watermark. The worst thing that could happen is you go, hey, bro, I signed up to do children's ministry. I hate it. I don't like it. This, this depresses me. We'll find you another place, and we'll still love you. It's okay. We'll still be friends. You're not going to hurt our feelings. Go somewhere else. Yeah, so Rick, is our, who's our connecting pastor, we have lots of opportunities. So if you go to the Watermark, yeah, I don't even know why I didn't tell you this. If you go to the Watermark website, click on Serve at the top, you're going to be able to look at serving opportunities based on ministries, based on life stage, I think, based on giftedness, um, and then any ministry page. So if you're on the website and you click on children, you click on marriage, you click on anything, there's going to be a serving tab, and it's going to tell you opportunities within that ministry to get plugged in. You just click on it. There's an email box. Send an email and go, hey, I want to grab a cup of coffee and tell you more. And listen, whoever you email, we'll go get a cup of coffee with you ASAP. If they don't, tell us. We'll tell them. Go get a cup of coffee. They're waiting for you. They're waiting for you. I, like ministries are like, hey, can you, 
talk about my ministry. Like people want you to come serve. And not because we're desperate, because we understand that that's how you guys will be blessed when you give your life away for other people. And in a year, you're going to go, bro, or in three months, whatever, you're going you're to go, hey, that, that was true. So again, don't be encouraged. Don't be discouraged. Take the next step. Send the email. Have the conversation. Look for opportunities. But take the next step. Because otherwise, you wasted four weeks of, of a Thursday night. I mean, you could have done a lot better things. You could have Netflix been something. But take the next step. Take the next step. And if we can help you in any way, uh, if we can help you in any way, email us. My email is rsmith at watermark.org. You go to the Walmart website, put in Rick. And the good thing is you don't have to remember either of our last names because Rick Wisner's there. You can email Rick Wisner. Send him an email, and we will help you. We will help you. We will get a cup of coffee with you. We would love to do that and help you to get uh, plugged in. So email us. Tell us any way we can help you. Ask questions. The one that you didn't want to ask, you didn't want to raise your hand, email us. We'll ask, and we'll, we'll help you. Yeah, that's odd. the ministry fair. I can't believe I didn't mention that. The ministry fair, August 16th, if you didn't hear that. Literally, you come, and it's like a buffet. It's like ministry, 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 ministry. Like people are giving out, you know, keychains for you to come serve in their team. They're probably not doing that. Um, giving you sign-up bonuses. But, I mean, there's like, you can go to every ministry, and you can go, hey, tell me about your ministry. Tell me about your ministry. Tell me about your ministry. Listen, all you got to do is send an email and get a cup of coffee. That's it. That's all I'm telling you to do. That's all I'm telling you to do. Take the next uh, step. And so that's it. I mean, I'm encouraged. I said this the first night, and I say it again, and it's not pastor talk. I really mean it. If this group of people right here, this group of people right here would be about the things that we talked about, giving your life away, serving others, we we, we could change the, I, I think, Dallas for sure, the world possibly. And and so, I mean, I I don't exaggerate when I say that. Think about a room full of people like this being on mission sharing their story, using their personality. I mean, it's, it, I mean, there's no telling what God might do. And so, um, I mean, I, I'm so encouraged by you guys for being here. You're going to get a, an email. I'm going to send you an email. It'll have the notes from, we didn't send the notes from last week out, but it'll be there, the notes from this week. I hope that's encouraging to you guys. You'll get a survey um, also that'll come. That helps us tailor classes for you. I hope you, in that survey, tell how this class changed your life and forever and forever. Just kidding. <laughs> But that helps us. Man, give us good feedback in that. That helps us tailor things for you. And again, I really mean it from the bottom of my heart. Email us. Let us know. We, that's what we do. That's what we get paid to do is to serve you and to, to connect with you and to help you. Help, so don't, don't let us not do that. We want to do that. And Lord, um, thank you for my friends here today. Thank you for my co-laborers in the gospel. And I thank you for um, the fact that you brought them here to Watermark Church in Dallas, Texas, and um, that you want to use them. And not just to sweep the floor, although we need people to sweep floors, that you want to use them to really have areas of responsibility that are important, that, that touch people's lives. 
uh, from people in the parking lot who greet you and to love you and to welcome you, people that give you the Watermark Newses, uh, people that watch our children and shepherd them and disciple our children, people that, can, that make meals for people. There are areas everywhere to give life, our lives away. And so I pray for this group of people. I pray that every single person in this room by the end of the summer would be serving somewhere at Watermark, that they'd be deploying their gifts here at Watermark and they'd be fully engaged. I pray for friends here that uh, there'd be no shame, no condemnation, no guilt about any part of their story. And I feel that they, I just pray that it would be evident, it would be clear that Watermark is a safe place to be who you have created us to be and to be sharpened and loved. And there wouldn't be one person in this room who would experience anything but love from their community group, from the staff, from Todd, from JP, anybody they interact with. And I pray that not only that they experience love, that they would give that away. They would serve other people how they would know we were believers by our love. And that we would, we, we would serve and give our life away. And so I pray that you would help bring clarity to any kind of confusion, uh, that you would help direct people's paths and that they would trust you. And I pray ultimately for courage, that you would help people to have courage to tell their story, to be able to share both their good and their bad portraits and, um, and the courage to jump in in areas where they might not even feel like they really want to do, but that you're encouraging them and pushing them to do. And I pray you'd give them courage to do that. Pray that in Christ's name. Amen.